We're all babies learning to create at a primitive time in the jungles of space. And so it's not uncommon at all that we unceasingly create unthought of manifestations. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness. And each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday. No, no, Tuesday. And welcome to a live installment of our spiritual tune-ups. Thanks so much for making these possible. Your questions below are where I get my talking points. Two people wrote awesome advanced questions last Friday when I was talking about health. And so I thought I would go there today, even though I talked about this maybe a year ago, almost a year ago, um, under blame the victim mentality. Okay, this is a real hot button. And it's critical for those learning metaphysics to understand that nobody's being blamed for anything. Specifically, Mike, why do we manifest things we don't like? It's confusing to me that we profess to be the creators of our own universe. I would never create a pandemic or the civil unrest that we now face. Help me understand this. We're all babies learning to create at a primitive time in the jungles of space. And so it's not uncommon at all that we unceasingly create unthought of manifestations, unintentional manifestations. There's only one absolute here that pivots how you'll create your reality. Thoughts become things. But sometimes our thoughts draw us through unthought of territory to become the things and events of our lives. For example, I live in Orlando, Florida. I love Miami. The vibe, the people, the food. I'm even learning the language, thanks to my Mexican wife. Um, and so I go to South Beach on occasion, and that's my destination, okay? I'm in Orlando, and sometimes I drive four hours to South Beach, Miami. I'm thinking of South Beach. I can't wait to get there. I can hear the waves crashing and I can smell the salt in my air, in the air. South Beach is my destination and result. To get there, what has to happen? I need to get in my car, put it in gear, fill it up with gas and drive for four hours. Now, I don't know where I'm gonna get gas until I get on the road. I don't know when I'm going to be forced to take a detour because of highway under construction. I don't know what smiling faces or frowning faces I'm going to see on my way to Miami. But all of these things are necessary in this journey to get me to the place I am thinking about. Now, I might stop at a rest area and hear some people talking or witness a riot or a protest. And I can rightly say, I never thought of that. How come that happened to me? My thoughts become things. 
because you live in a continuum where there's this momentum of seven and a half billion co-creators and you need to be drawn through that stuff, drawn through unthought of territory. This explains everything that happens in your life, good, bad, and embarrassing, that you didn't think about ahead of time. It's not a sometimes thing. It's not a maybe. You write the ticket on your future, but your end results will draw you through unthought of territory to get there. Now, a couple of critical caveats and a solution. Um, is so important that you not judge or blame yourself for what's going on and do not think that this explanation means that anything could happen to you. Anything and everything that does happen to you from Orlando to Miami would be predicated and couched upon all of your other thoughts, beliefs, and expectations. So I'm not saying you want to go to Miami, you want to have a destination, you want to meet your travel partner, your soulmate, and live in wealth and abundance. Oh man, you can have it, but you might be drawn through hell to get there. No, no, no. Everything that happens on the path would be based upon all of your other 60,000 unique thoughts a day. All of your other empowering and or limiting beliefs. They're going to do this magic trick navigating as you show up with baby steps. So think not that any random thing could happen to anybody because they're on a journey. The smiling faces, the protests, the marches, the rest area, the fast food, the passing smiling faces or frowning faces would all be within your own permissible range of possibilities, your belief about human nature, your beliefs about what's going on in the world. And so you are totally safe the entire way. But that doesn't mean that you have to physically think of a rest area or a certain stranger's face in order to see it. Lots of unthought of things happen to all of us because they make possible further things down the road that we did think about that couldn't have come to pass any other way. Now, I know I'm just scratching the surface here. This is what brings to mind the question very often. So, Mike Dooley, does this mean for every unpleasant thing or pandemic or social unrest, those who experience it brought it on themselves? Are you blaming the victim, Mike Dooley? I would never blame the victim. And again, look at the index in Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, and you'll see a talk back in March or April uh, of 2020 that I talked exclusively about blame the victim. And I'm going to share some, uh, some additional insights right now, as well as review the basics. Okay, so you, you understand that we are always going to a place we thought of and sometimes drawn through unthought of territory. One example of unintended manifestations is when there's conflict in your mind. Let's say you're in a relationship, a loving, super close, you know, you share the house, maybe you're married kind of relationship. And one person's kind of driving you a little, your partner is driving you crazy. And you want to tell them that they should do this and they should do that. And then you're also telling yourself that you need to respect and allow freedom and everybody finds their own way. But this is really bothering you. So you want to tell them. And it's like, no, don't tell them. Don't tell them this. Don't. You've got one part of you saying, 
Talk, get it out, express yourself. And you've got another part of you saying, no, shut it in, learn to adapt, be cooperative. I mean, this is a hypothetical example. It happens in business and friends in every walk of life. Sometimes we want two different opposing things. What do you think happens? Well, if the stress is great enough and carries on long enough, you break down into a sickness, a cold, a fever. You create and buy some time so that you can process what you're going through. You may not, probably won't, consciously recognize the dilemma and the conflict with the the ailment, the sore throat, the fever that you have. It will nevertheless serve its objective and give you the permission to perhaps come to terms with one of those two alternatives or come up with a compromise. And, and so you might say, well, I never thought of having a sore throat or a fever. No, you didn't. But you wanted to go here and you wanted to go here and it was stressing you out to the point you could not think other thoughts about other important things in your life. And so you get a sickness that you didn't think about, but it was a result of two other things you did. The list of possibilities here is utterly endless. Believing you don't have enough time in the day to do what you want to do. Um, believing that people are good and doing well. And also believing that people are natural born sinners. Uh, I mean, endless. Millions and billions of variables where we all carry around contradictions, which at certain points in our lives can kind of lead to a snarl of activity, as was said by Seth. Uh, dictated by the late Jane Roberts, The Nature of Personal Reality. Sometimes a person with a lot of confusion here will all of a sudden have this kind of breakdown in life. And in, in one time in my life, I was in a very bad car accident in my 20s. And my mom sent me this thing from Seth, you know, confusion here, massive confusion here can often lead to a snarl of physical circumstances in your life, an unthought of manifestation. Did you want it? No, but it was brought about accidentally through the Merck and Meyer and not thinking straight. Um, another thing, two more things I want to tell you this, and then I'm going to give you a solution. Don't judge or assume, as I said a moment ago, that whatever manifests is bad or is your end result. Okay. Everything is a work in process. Uh, the pendulum is constantly swinging. You might be driving to Miami and say, you know, I didn't imagine being stuck for 12 hours in traffic. But then when you arrive, because of the delay, you meet somebody amazing or you get that hotel room that you could not have otherwise got because somebody canceled, you know, just moments before you arrived or some other amazing thing happens way too often we feel guilty or bad because something happened we didn't think about and nothing appears good about it. Sometimes this can be a major setback, a major illness, a major calamity or snarl of events. If you were to stop and say, oh man, I got this all wrong. I can't do it. Where's my conflicting? It's like, look, it's all working out. Everything is always working out. Yes, there's always room for self reflection and introspection but but don't draw the conclusion that you're wrong and you're bad and you're broken and you aren't there maybe the snarl created the antidote that you most needed and now you've got all green lights so don't jump to conclusions because you have an unintended manifestation and think something's broken or wrong 
with your mentality. Uh, the third thing I wanted to share with you after unintended manifestations come from conflicting thoughts, uh, don't prejudge what's going on. Don't judge it at all. You know, you don't like it. Okay, move on, knock on another door, but don't feel like you're powerless or you're self-sabotaging. Okay, not true. Uh, number three, for those people who want me to speak to, are am, am I blaming the victim? Words like blame and words like victim are fatally flawed in any spiritual conversation. They assume things that are patently false from a deeper, greater perspective. So no, I don't even use the word blame. I don't use the word victim. If you use it, I know what you're talking about. But there's something fundamental being missed that's going to slow you down in life and perhaps set you up for a very unpleasant fall if you believe you are powerless, if you believe other people can violate you and you can become a victim. You don't want to go there. So as I said, we have unintended manifestations. And the example I gave before, and I'll give it again, you know, not that long ago, about five years ago, my wife and I were watching our daughter learn to walk. You know, she would hold on to the coffee table and you could see that look in her eyes and she would let go with one hand, take a step, let go with the other hand and man, she went down. Now, do you think my wife and I jumped up and wagged our fingers and said, you brought this on yourself, darling. You have no one to blame but you. You are a victim of your own ambition. This is your fault, sweetheart. We love you, but this is entirely your fault. Those words would have been true. But those words do not fit what was going on. They would be ignorant. They would be naive. They would be offensive. They'd be wrong, fatally flawed. Little darling, we love you. Little darling, you're learning. Little darling, try again and you're going to walk and you're going to run and one day you're going to fly and soar. I got your back. We love you so much. Big difference. And in life, yeah, we have conflicting thoughts and conflicting understandings and we, we have a desire to be a martyr or we have a desire to be selfless or we have a desire to shut ourselves down or bottle us up or make ourselves feel small. And then something happens in alignment with that. Are we to blame? Blame is wrong. It, we're not to blame. Are we nonstop 24-7 creators? Absolutely. Do we have a hand in everything that has ever happened to us? Absolutely. Thinking otherwise, as I just said, will set you up for another fall. But the kind where you think you're powerless and you give your power to someone else. Nobody wants to go there. And although I can coddle you and say, oh, it's, it's their fault and you're good and they're bad and you're a victim and they're a bully. I understand that kind of conversation, but you're not helping the person when you speak in those terms because those words speak of a reality that does not exist for someone who understands the true nature of reality. The solution for all of this, be the eternal student. Be the eternal student, which does not mean that you're going to have to learn and learn and learn. And every time you master a new lesson, another one lands in your lap. And life is this difficult school. It's like Harvard, man. And I want to go out for recess. The things you need to learn about yourself for joy, love, and happiness are so finite. 
Now, the knowledge and wealth of information in the universe and in realms beyond time and space is beyond infinite. If you can go beyond infinite, no way can your little brain figure it all out. But none of that's relevant to your happiness here and now. So do some self-reflection, understand your thoughts become things, accept who you really are, the eyes and the ears of God, ascend to your throne and be happy. Boom, done. All else will make sense in the right time, in the right space. When stuff happens in your life that you don't like, change the picture in your mind, knock on some new doors, try some new stones. When something happens that you don't like, don't blame yourself. Don't label yourself. Don't think that it's a flaw. Don't think that it's a problem. Don't think you can't make it back. You can. Just see things in the light of truth. Continue onward. The upward spiral takes you to the light. And I don't mean you're gonna die. I mean love and joy and eternal ecstasy and all will be well. Jumbo fellow adventurers and welcome to another spiritual tune-up where I answer your questions, questions you post on either Facebook or Instagram. Today's question and actually this whole week is about manifesting. The question by several of you, thank you so much on Instagram and Facebook, pertains to understanding uh, prior conflicts. Yesterday, I told you, if you've got conflicting desires, conflicting thoughts, conflicting beliefs, sometimes you manifest that which you had not thought of. That's a little bit here and a little bit there. It's just kind of, um, kind of a, a breakdown, if you will. You're drawn through unthought of territory to make the objective that did show up um, possible. Okay, so the question today, Mike, how do you neutralize the manifestation of past conflicting thoughts? Three steps. Number one, don't assume you have past conflicting thoughts. Okay, it's never that clear. That's like looking for your invisible, limiting, self-sabotaging beliefs. Okay, as soon as you go looking for them, you're claiming they exist. But heretofore, they've been invisible. Just because you don't yet have what you want, even if you've wanted it for decades, that doesn't mean that there's crossed wires, conflict, or invisible limiting beliefs. It could have been a matter of priorities. It could have been a matter of other dreams coming true. It could be that tomorrow that big dream comes true until you say, I have invisible limiting beliefs. I must be self-sabotaging. It must be baggage from my childhood. It wasn't until now. And now you've got to deal with it in addition to whatever else it really was. So don't assume there's something wrong just because you want something that hasn't shown up yet. That's the nature of reality. We're always perpetually moving towards a new manifestation from here to there, have to have not now versus later. This is the illusions. And as soon as you get it, you want something else. So it's perpetual. You will always feel this divine sense of incompletion. Doesn't mean something's wrong with you. So glad we got that out of the way. Step number two, always be led by joy. So how do you know you have conflicting beliefs? Well, if one of them is like what you should do, and the other one is what you want to do. Oh, do what you want to do. 
And don't think you're going to run amok and be negligent and overeat and overdrink and overparty because Mike said, do what you want to do. Nobody wants to do those things. They may be band-aids to uh, maybe remedy short-term some stress, but that's not really what you want. Go for what you really want. Set the bar really high. You want to be disciplined, right? You don't want to be lazy. You don't want to be wallowing. You don't want to be stagnant. Yeah, you can, you can have a couch potato day. You can have a Netflix binge. You can have a piece of chocolate cake for dessert. Uh, but be real. And your authenticity, your magnificence, your brilliant, shining soul will come through and lead the way when you are led by joy. Particularly when you arrive at a fork in the road. Should I go here or should I go there? Should I go out with her or should I go out with him? Okay, be led by joy. Short-term joy as well as long-term joy. If it's going to be like, oh, this is going to be the most fun night of my life, but it's going to ruin the next 10 years, that's not very joyful. So you have to be your own judge of that. Overall, be led by joy. Number three, don't worry about prior conflicting thoughts. Don't worry about present conflicting thoughts. Don't worry. And if you do, don't worry that you worry. Why? Because you are born to succeed. You're inclined to thrive. You're the eyes and the ears of God. So if you've got something that's really kind of positive for your soul and you're really drawn to it and something that you're not sure if it's real, you're not sure if it's authentic, but it's really exciting, the real authentic deal will always prevail. You're not vulnerable. You're not vulnerable to a little negativity. You're not vulnerable to a lot of negativity as long as you do what you can with what you got from where you are. I think I missed a word in that uh, phrase, but you got it, right? So don't worry. It's not a big deal. It's not complicated. A favorite note from the universe once said, come on, time and space is not the Harvard of reality, okay? It's like kindergarten at recess. If you start thinking, oh man, I've got baggage and invisible thoughts and beliefs and unknown conflicts. Um, I just thought a negative thought. Oh my God, I'm worrying. You know, it's like you're pegged to succeed. You're going to thrive as long as you do some little token thing in a positive measure every single day. Just do something, even if you fake it, okay? And then take baby steps. And the next thing you know, your life takes off on this upward spiral I told you about yesterday. And all of the fears and the extraneous thoughts, they all recede and fade into the background and they have no hold over you. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. The question I want to answer today was just posted yesterday. Thank you so much on Instagram this time. And it pertains to invisible limiting beliefs. And what I'm going to give you today are three steps to erase your invisible limiting beliefs. And you can follow these three steps even if you don't know what your invisible limiting beliefs may be. The questioner specifically said, on the topic of limiting beliefs, is it not somewhat helpful to pinpoint limiting beliefs in order to be self-aware? Absolutely. 
your beliefs are almighty in the scheme of your reality creation. You, they enable you to think along certain lines or they shut you down. And you don't know they're there because usually you think they're a facet of reality. You mistake them for facts and don't see them as your opinion. But an underlying operative here that's critical is that understanding the reason our beliefs are all-powerful, indeed almighty, is because our thoughts become things. Again, they encourage us to think along certain lines, sometimes in a very repetitive way, voom, 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 ramping up energy that empowers us or that shuts us down. And we don't even know we're doing this to ourselves. So I'm going to give you three steps on how to erase invisible limiting beliefs after I explain a little bit more about beliefs. So hang in there. The questioner went on to say that they had received a very, very nice gift, but they objected and they did not feel worthy. And then they realized that this was kind of upsetting the apple cart for themselves and the person who gave the gift. And they discovered that there was a sense of non-worthiness or um, the belief in lack, limitation, that was cutting off their energy and depriving them of the joy that they should have felt otherwise enjoying this luxurious gift. It's not always so easy, but if you can spot the tail wagging, then you've got something to work with because otherwise our beliefs generally are completely invisible. And that's why I don't advocate going to look for what your invisible limiting self-sabotaging beliefs are because they're invisible. But while that dog is invisible, its wagging tail is all over the place in our lives. So while you cannot see most of your beliefs, or hardly any of them, you can see their consequences. And very often they'll show up in the form of guilt or um, feeling ill at ease or conflict or unexplained disappointment, uh, envy, all of those things will point to misunderstandings, crossed wires, invisible limiting beliefs. So if you have the wherewithal and the ability, and we all do, to do some self-reflection, maybe do some journaling. Why do I feel like this when I otherwise know that I am a gladiator of joy? Why do I feel guilty? Why do I feel jealous? Why do I feel, write it down. And you may shock yourself when you answer as well. That's right, answer. You answer the question you just wrote. Fake it, okay? You're gonna have more wisdom than you ever realize. You're gonna be channeling it from the divine. So to answer the question, uh, is it somewhat helpful to pinpoint limiting, limiting beliefs in order to be self-aware? It's solid gold. But it's not always easy to find that wagging tail. It's not always easy to see that invisible belief. So here are my three tips on erasing them without even figuring out what they are. And, and here's a bit of advice. On the plane of manifestation where we live right now, where we're all streaming manifestors 24-7, no matter what it is you're focusing on, no matter what it is you're looking for, you will either find it, that's how powerful you are, or you're gonna make it up out of thin air. You just make it, you just manifest it. You'll walk around a corner and boom, there it is. 
You did that. You're that powerful. This is true whether you're looking for a travel partner with benefits, wealth and abundance, creative fulfilling work, or if you're looking for what's wrong with you vis-a-vis -vis your invisible limiting beliefs. If you go looking for them and you're not really neutral about the whole thing and really like, okay, I love myself. Maybe I'll find something. Maybe I won't. But you go in there like, I'm going to find what's wrong with me. Oh, you're going to find it, a lot of it, and you're going to make stuff up too. That wasn't even the issue to begin with. Again, this is why I want to give you a workaround, three steps. You do not have to know what your invisible limiting beliefs are to bulldoze them, to liquefy them, to trod and trample them right out of your life. So if you don't even have to know what they are, in my view, unless they show up like they did for the questioner, don't go looking. This is what you do. These are the three steps. Number one, you identify the beliefs in the area of tension, conflict, disappointment that you would like to have. I would like to believe I'm worthy. I would like to believe I'm lovable. I would like to believe I'm a creative genius. Are these your beliefs? Who knows? That's not important right now. Compare that to finding out what your invisible limiting belief is. Oh, you can write down a long list of empowering beliefs. Think of a model. Think of somebody you admire in the world who's living a life in the realm where you have tension with effortless ease. What do you think they believe? They believe that their thoughts become things. They believe that they are protected. They believe that they are worthy. They believe, write all those down. Make a list of 20, 30, 100 empowering beliefs in this area of tension. That's step one. Step two, study that list. See their validity. You are a being of light. You did come here to thrive. You deserve all that you want. You having yours will not come at the expense of somebody else having theirs. See the validity. You know these things are true. You know your thoughts become things. Just be like, yes, yes. And look at this list frequently, at least daily before you go to bed at night. Okay, if you're, if you're in enough pain, this is a small exercise to do. It's virtually effortless. That's step two. See the validity. Study the validity. Step three, all important. Begin demonstrating and acting as if these are your beliefs. These empowering, beautiful, bold beliefs about life's magic and your divinity and that you have default settings to thrive. Start acting like you're worthy. Start acting like you have confidence. Start acting like you're the, the, the artist or the author or the entrepreneur that you dream of being. Little token physical demonstrations. Splurge on something that's not too expensive. Um, make a phone call, enter some dates into the calendar. Uh, there's a, an endless way of doing this. A lot of my books have this. A lot of people talk about acts of faith demonstrations. Then incrementally, as I said the other day, imperceptibly, your life will change invisibly. And suddenly as your inner witness sees these changes, if there were invisible, limiting, self-sabotaging beliefs. They no longer make sense. Clearly, when my life was a train wreck 20 years ago and nothing was working, I really thought I had a lot of problems, but I decided not looking to not look for them and instead start working my life. Did I think I was worthy? 
Presumably not, based on the evidence. Did I think I was a smart? Presumably not, based on the evidence. My life was a chain wreck. But then as I did what I could with what I had, and I worked these belief lists, and I acted like they were mine, suddenly when the money's coming in, and there's love and adoration, and you've got a busy social calendar, it's like, well, I must believe I'm worthy. I must believe I'm creative. I must believe I'm smart. Your manifestations will install those very beliefs that you are studying and validating to the degree if, if you even had invisible limiting beliefs. Those poor things don't stand a chance. The new evidence of your life flattens them, bulldozes them, liquefies them. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. Happy Friday. The week of manifesting questions and answers continues. Thanks for the great questions. Today it's about other people. Having been a speaker on this topic to live audiences for 20 years, this is one of the most common topics. And usually it's brought up with Fear and trepidation. Visualizing and manifesting with other people can be one of the most amazing power-packed ways of ramping up your energy exponentially. This is one of those cases where the sum is greater than the, than the, than the parts. Okay, um, if you have three people together, it's not three times as powerful. It's nine times as powerful. Okay, the more people focused on the same thing, the quicker, the faster, the better in every regard. But there are some nuances. There are four circumstances in which you may or may not want to have somebody else on your team manifesting or in your visions. So let's go through those four. We talked about number one already. The more that are gathered in the name of one end result, preferably a wisely defined end result like joy, happiness, love, abundance, travel. You know, so the universe has total latitude to figure out the logistics, the hows, the whens, etc. The better. Okay, even in the Bible, right? And I am not uh, religious at all. The Bible has a lot of jewels in it. And one of them is whenever two or more are gathered in my name, in truth, in understanding, look out world. So this is the, this is the reason that many advocate mastermind groups. Get together with a bestie, a single friend, a coworker, a parent, a child, a sibling, and maybe every week just jam for 10 or 20 minutes about Life's beauty, your power, your dreams, as if they already came true. Remind each other, support each other. Share a dream or individually support each other's different dreams. So powerful. Okay, that's one, one point I wanted to make out of four. Okay, they get interesting here. Number two. <clears throat> if you want to visualize somebody in your mind. So they're not necessarily on your team. It could be both, but let's just say right now they're not. You want to visualize, you know, 
somebody behaving a certain way. This is extremely precarious, okay? If it's your son or your daughter in school and you want to imagine them fitting in, being happy, thriving in the academic environment, getting A's, go for it. It's part of your responsibility. See your loved ones happy, successful in the areas they dream of being successful in. They will feel that love. It will make a difference. But ultimately, only they can pull themselves across the finish line. But your love and your vision can make the difference. So if you hinge your happiness on them taking the bait, on them making the manifestation come to pass, on their happiness, even if they're your kids, you're not doing anybody a service. Be happy first. Be happy yourself first. Be happy with who you are and what you have. And then you can add to that for yourself and for other people. Now, there's another type of imagining with other people in our minds. And that's typically, you know, when you want someone you know, to fall in love with you. You want someone to appreciate you. You want someone to give you a raise. You want someone to give you an opportunity. Um, this is a very slippery slope. You can go there but you are never assured of success. Just like if they were your kid and you wanted them to get A's in math, okay? You're never assured of success. This is an area where dreams might not come true. If you are insisting and attaching to a certain person doing a certain thing, they are sovereign as you are sovereign. And you wouldn't want somebody to be able to manipulate your life because they feel like they know what's good for you and they think you don't. You don't want, you know, Gertrude or, you know, some wrong person trying to make you fall in love with them. You want to decide and you have that sovereignty. They do too. And so if you're hinging your happiness because of visualization and your manifesting prowess on someone specifics, be person's behavior, put it this way. If you want a specific person to do a specific thing, it's not going to go well. You can influence them, but don't attach to that behavior. If you can be happy if they don't, then go ahead and go there. But if, it's, if you've lost your balance, something's up and you need to reconsider what your goals are. Now, you can still have a rocking love life. You can still have amazing business partners. You cannot insist on who that person will be. The third little twist in the plot here, oh, I already talked about it, to help other people. They will receive your love, okay? Um, and then the fourth twist in the plot, opposing visions. This is the question that comes up all the time. You know, I believe in manifesting, but my partner doesn't, uh, or my family thinks I'm cuckoo, or the people I work with are all so negative and I'm stuck with them eight hours a day. You're not vulnerable. You are divine. You have sovereignty. It doesn't matter how negative the people are in your life. Of course, you don't want to seek them out. But if for now they're in the workplace, eh. if they're in your family, love them anyway. There's other good traits about them without regard to how they judge your woo-woo. 
So uh, don't feel vulnerable. No one can keep you from yours. Now, if you've got a partner and the partner wants to live in Hawaii and you want to live in New Jersey, go to Hawaii. Uh, there may come a time when you need to compromise. You know, you would assess all the good that's coming from the relationship. And maybe for a time it'll be New Jersey or a time it'll be Hawaii or ultimately it'll be both places. Yeah, there's times to make compromises. But you wouldn't be in the relationship if there wasn't a whole lot good there. And so enjoy what is there and don't put too much importance on the differences where there's an opposing opinion. opinion. So those four twists are... Um, as a team, visualizing approximately the same stuff, although maybe different bells and whistles, rocket fuel. Um, with somebody in your vision, like you want somebody to behave a specific certain way, you can go there, but do not insist. Leave room for or better. Number three, with somebody in your vision, but to help them for their sake more than your sake. They will receive this love. They will receive your energy. And they will then have to decide whether or not to use it. It's still up to them. And number four, opposing visions. Don't worry, you're not vulnerable. You got this. You're sovereign. There you have it, fellow podcast listener. Now, let's stay in the zone. If you haven't already, please visit my website, tut.com, where you can sign up along with one million other subscribers for my free daily notes from the universe. You can also find out about my infinite possibility membership for a price you choose. Every single Tuesday, I do a live broadcast, a 30-minute mini manifesting workshop. Members have access to the last 52 mini manifesting workshops. So check it out. And if you have a moment and these podcasts move you, I would be deeply grateful for a review at the Apple Podcast platform. Go to tut.com, look for spiritual tune-ups, look for the link for podcast. If you send us a screen grab of your published review at Apple, we've got a very special bonus waiting for you. Check out the links, read all about it. Thanks for being here and I'll see you on the next podcast installment.